Welcome to the Southridge Church Podcast. This week's awesome message will start in a few seconds. But first, we want you to stay connected with us. You can find us on sanjose.cc or subscribe to the podcast. Welcome to Southridge Church. We're excited to see each and every one of you. Thank you so much for standing. God bless you. You may be seated grateful and excited that you are here. Welcome. My name is Makai. I'm the pastor here at Southridge Church, and we're just grateful that you're here. Looking forward to a great Sunday together. Today's a special day because we're doing barbecue and baptisms. In the first service, we baptized six people got baptized. How exciting is that? And man, we celebrate that. They are taking that next step. And maybe you're here and you say, I've never been baptized. You know, I've received Christ my Savior, but I've never taken that next step. Baptism is simply the outward expression of an inward change. That's what baptism is. And you say, maybe I'm not ready. That's okay. We got everything you need. You're going to get a really cool shirt like the one I'm wearing. We got a bag here. It's got everything you need. And it's got a change of clothes in there, towel. It's got some undergarments. It's got, like they said, the shirt, everything. And guess what? You can keep that. Uh, We don't, some of these things we don't want back. You know, I know with inflation, you're, you can keep the undergarments and everything. We don't, we don't need that back, all right? That's everything in the bag that is yours to keep. But you say, hey, God's working on my heart, and I need to get baptized. After the service, you do that. It'd be great. And then secondly, maybe your first-time guest, we want to welcome you here because on your way in, you received a packet. And in that packet, it's got a card. It's our Connect card. We'd love for you at some point in our service to fill that card out. And then at the end of the service, drop it off in an offering basket. And in the hotel lobby, we got a gift for you. And then also following the service, we got a baptism service, and then we got a barbecue outside, we got jumpers, uh, giant Jenga, and some other fun things. We're just grateful you're here. Well, take your Bible, if you would, to the book of Jeremiah, chapter number 29. The book of Jeremiah, chapter number 29. Well, we are in a new series that we kicked off last week. And uh, I want to see your Bibles. Hold up if you've got a Bible or if it's on your phone. Oh, man, look at that. We are getting better and better. Man, I like it. I'm seeing more and more Bibles, all right? That's exciting because we don't want to hear man's words. We want to hear from God. And God speaks through his word. And it's great that we can gather together. We can listen to a message. But having God's word open in front of us and asking him to reveal things to us is so profound and so powerful. And that's what we need this morning. We're going to be in Jeremiah chapter number 29. We kicked off a new series entitled For San Jose. We are asking ourselves this question because many of us already kind of know the answer. And it's simply this. When people think about church, what did they think the church is for? And you and I have probably been told the church is about some bad things, negative things. And um, maybe maybe you, you know that's not to be true, but that's what their mind's made up. And that's why some people won't go to church because they're saying, oh, the church is against this and against that and against that. But what is the church for? Or more specifically, what is Southridge Church for? You see, we get to be a part in determining what our church is for and who it's for. And so we're in a series entitled For San Jose because we want our neighbors, our friends, our family, our coworkers to know that we are for them. We're for San Jose. We're here. We want to love them and show them what it means to be for something. And last week we said, God is for you. We asked a question and here's the question. What do you think God thinks about when God thinks about you. And I was kind of sad when I heard some of you this week, this past week, your reply. Some of you thought, I think God's disappointed. I think God's frustrated with me. I think God's a little bit angry with me. But we know from John three sixteen, which says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And we said, take out the word world and replace it with your name. For God so loved you. God is for you. The word goes on in Romans 8 and begins to the apostle Paul says, if God spared not his own son, Jesus, how will he not give you anything? 
There's nothing he won't hold back from you. God is for you because God is for you. Our church, Southridge Church, is for San Jose. And so this week, we're going to continue our series and letting people know that we are for them. But I've got to start off by telling you a story. Um, it happens to center around a place called Great Wolf Lodge. Let me see your hands. How many of you have heard or been to Great Wolf Lodge? It's an amazing place. It's an awesome place. If you haven't gone, you need to plan a family trip to go. Here's why Jane and I love to go. I'm allergic to the sun. What does that mean? When I'm out in the sun, I turn bright orange, bright red, and then I peel and I go back to being pasty white. I do not tan. For the life of me, I want to tan. I'll have to do one of the things that Ross from Friends do, you know, level eight, you know, just like uh, two seconds or whatever, you know, and do that whole spray tan. That might work for me. But then Jane on the other side, she's at the other spectrum being Filipino. She's like, hey, I don't want to get dark. So we, every year on our anniversary, we go to Hawaii and this will probably surprise you. We have never gone to the beach in Hawaii. You're like, why do you go to Hawaii and not go to the beach? Because I'm allergic to the sun, and she doesn't like to get too dark. So we just stay indoors. So Great Wolf Lodge is our kind of place because it's an indoor water park, and it's protected from UV light. So it's a great place to go. We love it. We love going there. It's cool. Our kids like going. We have a blast. Uh, There's a lazy river, and so our son Kane will just go to the lazy river, and he'll just spend hours just going around the lazy river. And he, he gets in the full pose. I mean, he's got his hands back and just floating along, just having a great time in the lazy river. He's just, he's just doing his thing. And so we like going there. But the first time we went there, we went to one down in Southern California, LA, and we were there just one day. And then the day we were supposed to check out, we go to open the door because normally they put your bill, your invoice by the door. And so we went to open it and I looked down and I grabbed a piece of paper and I looked at it. It was not an invoice. It was not a bill. It was a coupon. And I was like, awesome. I love coupons. This is great. This coupon said this, though. It said, if you would like to stay an extra night in the same room, you don't have to go, 75% off. I was like, yes, we need to stay. We didn't stay. We're too cheap, even with 75% off. But I was like, how awesome is that? Man, 75% off. They almost got me. And then the next time I went back, I booked one night, even though I knew I was staying for two, because I did it again. I'm like, yes, working the system, sticking to the man, you know, and uh, all that good stuff. But here's the thing. Whenever you get to go somewhere you like going, you want to stay longer, don't you? But whenever you have to go somewhere you don't want to go, it feels like you were there longer than you, than you wanted to be. And see, that's what's happening in Jeremiah chapter number 29. The children of Israel have been exiled from Israel to Babylon, and they're going to stay in Babylon. And while in Babylon, there are prophets telling them, don't worry, don't get comfortable, don't really unpack the suitcases. We're not going to be here long, just two years, and then we're going to head right back to Jerusalem, so don't get comfortable. Then the prophet Jeremiah is saying, hey, no, that's actually not what God has said. God is actually going to say something completely different. Let's pick it up in Jeremiah 29, verse number four. Here's what the word of God says. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those who I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses, settle down, plant gardens, and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number. Do not decrease. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. Do not let the prophets and the diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to them the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to you to bring you back to this place. Verse 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. 
Then you will call on my name and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. They thought it'd be two years. That two years was 70 years. Here's the title of today's message. What do you do when your prayer isn't God's plan? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help us this morning. God, your word is powerful. It's quick. It's sharp. It does a deep work in our hearts. And right now, we need you this morning. We need you in this place. We thank you. We praise you for those who have taken the next step and gotten baptized. But right now, we need to hear from heaven. It's not my words. It's not my thoughts. It's what you want to speak to your people. So open our hearts to your truth. May we be tuned in, dialed in to what you want to speak to us. And God, would you do a mighty work in this place, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Sometimes the prayers of your heart don't match God's plan. What do you do when your prayer doesn't match God's plan? See, that's exactly what's happening in verse number eight. There were some false prophets who were telling them, hey, don't worry about it. Don't unpack. Don't get comfortable. You're going to be leaving soon in just two years. It's going to all be over. You're going to get through this season. You're going to get through this hard time. It's just going to be two years and you're going back. Imagine, go back to the same Great Wolf Lodge. Imagine if we, uh, Jane and I, my wife and I, we got our children together into the hotel room and then we sat them down and we said, okay, Megan, Austin, and Kane, sit down. Uh, we're staying at this hotel and while we're staying at this hotel, we need to get you guys registered for school. And we need to go find you a pediatrician. And then I need to go find where our Costco is going to be. And then I need to go register and get a membership at a gym. You would think I was crazy. You're at a hotel. You're not staying. Why are you enrolling your kids in a school? It's a hotel. It's a short trip. Why would you get planted in that place? That's what was happening here. They didn't want to engage. They didn't want to get into a position where it's like, hey, we got to find a school. We got to, we got to get some deep roots here. We're just going to be two years. And then Jeremiah comes along and says, oh, no, 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 no. You're short about 68 years. You're going to be here 70 years is what God wants to do. But yet sometimes we think, we think that if I can just believe it and claim it and pray it, that it'll just happen. And some people take Jeremiah 29, 11, they say, oh, God knows the plans that I have for you. He's going to give me a hope and a future and he's going to prosper me. Amen. And we claim that verse. We put it on there. We put it on our stuff. We put it on social media, on Instagram, and we tag it. We like it. We share it. But here's the reality. The reason the children of Israel were in Babylon was because of their rebellion against God. So get this. You can't believe your way out of something that, you're behaved, that you behaved your way into. You can't believe your way out of something that you behaved your way into. You see, the nation of Israel had behaved in such a way that led them to this point. You see, we live in a day and age that we just want to believe that our marriage is going to fix itself and not do anything about it. And we want to believe that God's just going to fix all our problems, but we don't have to do anything about it. Can we just, you know, just, just, just get a little touch? Can the pastor just pray for me? Can you just put some oil on me? I'm not going to actually change. And the problem is that's faith without works. Our faith is supposed to have some action to it. And we live in a day and age where we don't really want to work on our behavior. We want a better marriage, but we don't actually want to do anything that it takes to have it. We want to have a better job, but we don't actually want to show up on time, do a good job, show up and do the hard work. We live in a society where everybody feels entitled to a participation trophy. Where everybody just feels like, I don't have to do the work, but I still want to get the bonus. And Christians are no better. We are claiming Jeremiah 29, 11, and we have no clue what it actually means. We don't know that it is tied to our behavior. We think it's just right believing, but it is also right behavior. And Christians, if we are going to be for San Jose, our behavior has to be different. The reason people don't like the church today is not because of the church, but because of the people that go to the church. It's us. We can be some of the worst kind of people, can't we? We can cause so many problems. But they were praying. 
And their prayer was not in God's plan. Maybe you found yourself there this week. Maybe you're in that season where you're praying. You're saying, God, I want this to happen. And God's not allowing it to happen. My daughter, Megan, she just finished sixth grade and going into seventh. But she had an amazing sixth grade teacher. Her sixth grade teacher is one of the best teachers I'd seen. My wife taught for 10 years. And believe it or not, I taught for two years. I can't believe they let me do it a second time. I was like, one year, you didn't see how bad I was. You gave me another year to teach. I taught history and Bible, and I did it for two years. So I kind of know when I see a great teacher, and I saw this sixth grade teacher, and she was incredible. But she had some back pain. She went in to go get it checked out. Come to find out, it was cancer spread throughout her body. They found out just a few weeks ago, and then three days ago, she passed. Do you know how much time we've been praying? Do you know there was round-the-clock people just saying, God, no, 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 this is one of the best people. I went and traveled with their, her class, and we went to Columbia, and we went on these trips, and I saw the way she engaged. God never let her have children, but yet she took her class of 28, 30 kids, and they were her kids, and she loved them. She prayed for them. She was all about whatever they needed. She was so engaged. She was an amazing teacher. And I was like, God, my prayer was that you would heal her. And God said, Micaiah, my prayer is not your plan. And I'm like, but God, she's a good person. I got a list of good people and bad people. Why don't you take some of the people on this list over here? Not this list. Don't worry, none of you are on this list. Yet. No, I'm just kidding. But we all have that list. We're like, God, what are you doing? I'm praying for this. God, why don't you intercede? Why don't you take over? But understand this. You can't love what is if you're wishing for what was. And some of us are stuck in the past instead of saying, God, all right, Lord, I've messed up. I've screwed up. God, I got to come to you and repent and get it right. And Lord, let's fix this. But we are trapped in the mindset that says, oh, I just got to believe my way through it. No, behave yourself in the right way to get through this. There needs to be a behavior change, and we want everybody else to change except us. I do a fair amount of marriage counseling. I'm doing less and less because either the couples don't listen or I'm bad at counseling. Let's go with I'm bad at counseling. But every time I do marriage counseling, do you know what invariably comes up? One of the spouses wants the other spouse to change to fix the marriage fix the relationship. Instead of saying, what do I got to do? Where in me do I need to change? Flip the mirror and look at myself. Because it's easy to say, if everybody would change around me, then life would be perfect. It would not. And here, Israel, they were just saying, well, if we can just leave this place, then we'll be better. But God is saying, hey, that's not the prayer I'm going to answer because that prayer is not inside of my plan. I have a plan and your prayer does not match it. And we've got to come back and say, God, I need to be in line with what you want. You see, God, and trust him. He has no plans for your failure. That's not what God's trying to plan. And many of us don't trust God for that and trust him that that he's working. You see, God has to prepare you for what he's prepared for you. And this process is preparing you for what God has prepared for you. God has to build you. There's some things he's allowing you to go through. I have some friends right now, they're training for a marathon. And I see them running mile after mile after mile after mile. And I just watch them from the comfort of my chair in the gym. Because I hate running. I will lift I'll do a little bit of cardio in the gym. I'll get on an assault bike. I'll do some pull-ups, but I am not running. As a matter of fact, I will eat a donut and I will watch you run and I will not feel guilty. I'm fine with that. I don't need to run. And I asked them, why are you guys running? Because they were like, this marathon, it requires preparation. God is preparing you right now for what he's prepared for you. And some of you don't get, you're not ready for what God has prepared for you. The whole sound system went out this morning. We had all kinds of problems. We had volunteers not show up. And I was thinking, goody. Excellent. God's preparing us. He's building us. He's making us stronger. 
You see, when I go to the gym, when they put more weight on the bar, that's what helps me to get stronger. When you go through a circumstance that's not comfortable, it's because God is trying to make you stronger. And yet we, so many times, we resist that process. And we're like, no, God. And then God is like, you're asking me for something over here that you are not prepared to receive. You just think you can end up there. You just think you can just handle it. But God is building you and preparing you and getting you ready for what he wants. What happened is simply trusting God and saying, okay, God, whatever you want, I'm going to do that. I've got a famous uh, poem that I love to cite. It's from Alfred Lord Tennyson. It's called The Charge of the Light Brigade. And I love the second verse. The second verse says this, forward the light brigade. Was there a man dismayed? Not though the soldier knew someone had blundered. There's not to make reply. There's not to reason why. There's but to do and die. Into the valley of death rode the 600, the charge of the light brigade. Why is it that we love poets and we love the truth that there are those that say, ours is not to reason why, ours is but to do or die. And then God says, okay, you're gonna stay here 70 years. And you're saying, "Ah, I don't know if that's God's will. I don't know if I heard from God on that. Let me go to another church. Let me go talk to another pastor. Let me go talk to a different spouse. Let me go talk to a different boss. Let me go somewhere else because I don't know if you're hearing from God on that. And we've got to come back to the place and say, no, I did hear from God. And guess what? God wants me right here because my heart's prayer is not in his plan. And I need to trust his plan. Verse number six says this, for this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says to all those I carried into exile in Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses, settle down, plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. That's one generation. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they may too have sons and daughters. That's two generations. That's have kids and grandkids. That's three generations that are going to come and go in the nation of Babylon. And God's saying, that's what I want. And many of us cannot endure what God is doing. We want a quick escape from it. We will do whatever we can to get away from it. But understand this. And this is the truth of verse number 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. But I noticed something in verse number four. You see, we read the Bible, but we don't read the Bible, folks. Look at it again. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. When I saw that, I underlined it, I highlighted it, and I was like, wait a minute. The Bible says, and God is speaking, I carried them into exile. Wait, I, I, I thought the nation of Babylon did that. Is it a typo? Is it a mix? Is, is something wrong with my Bible? No. It's a sovereign hand of God. You and I are real good at blaming everything on the devil and bad circumstances, bad luck, or lack of providence, or not God loving you enough, and we never just realize that maybe actually God is doing it for you, and it's not against you. Because God is allowing this to happen. God says, no, 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 that was me. So write this down. The place changed, but God's plan did not. And sometimes God will allow the place to change, but his plan will not change. Sometimes you and I, we're saying, man, God, I thought I would be here in the familiar. And God moves you from the familiar to the unfamiliar, from the known to the unknown. And you and I are having to go out into the unknown. And no, I'm not going to sing the Frozen 2 theme song into the unknown for you. It's not going to happen. But yet that's what God is calling us into. Because you and I are guilty of living the faith, but not living by faith. And there is a difference. I said a thing and you missed it. You and I are guilty of living the faith and not living by faith. You see, living by faith is I don't know how I'm going to pay the bills. I don't know how I'm going to make it. I don't know how I'm going to fix this. I don't know how I'm going to raise these kids. I don't know how this is going to happen. I don't know how it's going to do it, but I'm going to keep moving forward by faith because God's going to do a thing. And so you and I step back and we say, God, you're going to do it. And I am living by faith because without faith, it is impossible to please God, my friend. We're called to live by faith. And I think it's funny that you and I, we say, oh, keep the faith. But everything about us, everything in our life is not reflecting faith. It doesn't demonstrate faith. 
We won't put ourselves in a situation where we're saying, oh, God, I'm gonna have to trust you now. Some of us are still hung up on this thing of tithing. We say, no, no, I couldn't trust God with 10% of everything I make. Are you kidding me? Do you know how much I make? Okay, let's pray that God allows you to make less so then you can start tithing. Whoa, no, oh, let's not do that. God calls us to evangelize to our coworkers, but yet you and I won't even take this business-sized car that says you're invited and pass it out to somebody who's on their way to hell. We won't do that. We're guilty of what's called the great omission. You see, God has the great commission, go into all the world and preach the gospel, proclaim the gospel. And that's not just my calling. That's every person's calling here, no matter where God puts you. And yet you and I, we don't understand that that's what we're called to do. And we are called to live by faith. We're a faith people. We're people of faith. But why is it when anything difficult comes along our way, that's when we're like, freak out. And we don't understand what God is doing. But the verse says, for I know the plans I have for you. Implying, you and I do not know the plan. Let me see how many planners in the house do we got. Raise your hand, you're a planner, you're a planner. Excellent, yep, yep, I knew it, I knew it. We have more planners in this service than the other service. All right, that's pretty impressive. How many of you are not planners? Let me see your hand. Yes, there we go. See, about 10% of you are not good with that verse. The rest of us are like, I'm cool. I never make a plan. I don't plan anything. You could send me an evite to your party. I ain't going to sign it. I'm just going to show up and eat all your food and drink whatever you got. And we know that about you. You don't plan anything. You will even invite people over and you will not tell your spouse that you just invited all these people over to come eat all your food. And your spouse freaks out because all these people showed up and you're like, what? you weren't going to tell me? No, man, we just roll with it. Just make whatever you got in the kitchen. You know, just throw some stuff together, mix it in a bowl and get that cake going. Come on, how hard is it? No, we need some planning here. And so when you and I look at this verse, we're like, come on, God, give me the plan. I need a plan, God. And God's like, oh, you trust me that I got the plan. You trust me that I will lead you to where I want you to be. And I've got the maps. I've got the coordinates. And I'm going to allow you to be exactly where I want. You see, Too often, we allow the friction of this moment to make our faith frail. And maybe that's a question I need to ask you this morning. Has the friction of this moment made your faith frail? The uncertainty, the unknown. You don't know what's going to happen to the relationship. You don't know what's going to happen to the job. You don't know what's going to happen to the children. You don't know what's going to happen in the economy. You don't know what's going to happen in the world. You don't know what's going to happen in the church. You don't know what's going to happen in your life. And you've got to step back and say, I don't know, but he does. And therefore, I trust him. I read this morning in Job. It said, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. How incredible. He said, God can take me and I still trust him. God can harm me and I still trust him. God can hurt me and I still trust him. God can take me to the valley and I trust him. He can lead me to the mountaintops and I still trust him. He can throw me off the mountain and I still will trust him. Will we trust God this morning? That's the calling that we have. And that's what it takes because that is life. Because sometimes we're not on the mountain. We are in the valley. And we have to say, God, I still trust you. Even though it's hard and it hurts, I still will trust you. I don't know what's happened with the relationship. I don't know what's happened with the future. But God, I'm going to trust you in this moment. And God will give you opportunities to trust him, to grow in trust. Where you say, okay, Lord, I, I give this thing to you. There's a great book entitled Welcome to Holland by Emily Kingsley. Emily was planning a baby shower for her first child. This happened years ago where, you know, the ultrasounds weren't as detailed as they are now. So she planned the baby shower and they're excited. And then about nine months, she has a baby and they hand her a baby. And the baby had Down syndrome. And immediately she said, it just changed. Yeah, the baby was healthy. The baby was, was, was alive. There was nothing physically in the sense of like, are they not gonna be able to walk? There's no disease, there's no deformity, but autism. And she said, the best way to describe it is like all your life, you planned on going on a once in a lifetime trip to Italy. And you got a guidebook for Italy. You've got the currency for Italy. You've got all the destinations mapped out for Italy. You get on the plane and the plane lands and they say, welcome to Holland. 
and you're saying, I thought I was going to Italy. And then you see all the posts and pictures of all the people that did go to Italy and all the hurt and the pain that you had planned on going to Italy, but you're in Holland. And what ends up happening is you keep wishing you were in Italy. You're missing out on all that Holland has. You see, God has so much for you, but if you are loving what was, you can never love what is. And God wants you to be here and now, not living in the past. God wants you to do, see something here that he's got for you, and you and I can miss out on it. And God is saying, right here, right now, there is good in this storm. There is something great that I am doing. And trust the work that I have for you and keep moving. You see, you have not chosen the place, but trust God that he has placed you here for a reason. You didn't choose this place, but trust God that God brought you here. I know a lot of family and friends are moving out of California and they keep looking at me and they're like, what are you going to do? Are you going to stay? That state's crazy. They've lost their marbles. They're all bananas out there. It's the land of the fruits and the nuts, man. The rest is just, I don't know what the rest is, but you know the saying. And I'm like, this is the best place. I don't want to leave here. I've lived in San Jose for 15 years. I'm not going anywhere. I want to sink deep roots. I want to reach this place. I want people to know that I am for San Jose. Yeah, I'm watching my family move, and that's fine. Yeah, move. But I understand that there's something about staying at a place. And I look forward to seeing what God's going to do because God's brought us here. God's put you here, and it may not be the perfect place, and it may not be a forever place. But when God places you somewhere, say, God, there's a reason you placed me here. What is that reason? And you search out after it and say, all right, God, I'm here. I don't know how long. I don't know when I'm going to be led by you, God. And you follow him. But many of us are saying, God, no, I want to change this. The prayer of my heart needs to be your plan, God. We're all upset when it's not. Write this down. It'll help you. You cannot control the season. You only adjust to it. Let me explain it. We're coming up on the fall. I love sweater and jacket weather. As a matter of fact, I have a hard time on Sundays when it's hot because I like long sleeve, I like sweaters, I like hoodies, and I like jackets. And I look at my wardrobe and I'm like, "Ah, I can't wear any of this. Not for a couple more months. Because I cannot change the climate. I can't reach up in the sky and say, oh man, it's cold. Let me turn up some of that global warming right now. I mean, yeah, I know some people think they can. But I can't. The only thing I can do with the climate is put on a jacket. I can only adjust to it. When it's hot, the only thing I can do is take off clothes. Well, or get in front of the air conditioning. But you and I, instead of adjusting to the season, you know what you and I do? We just keep trying to control it. Oh, I can fix this. Abraham and Sarah, oh, we can't have kids? Oh, we'll we'll fix it. We will fix it. We'll do it our way. King Saul, oh, the prophet's not here, but we need to give a sacrifice and we need fire from heaven to fall. I can do this. And you and I are guilty of trying to force things to happen instead of trusting that God has a plan and adjust to it. Ecclesiastes 3.1 says, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. Trust God. And lastly and thirdly, as we close, verse number seven, and this is where it comes full circle. It says, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I've carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. How many want to prosper in this room? Can I see your hands? You want to prosper? Wow. Some of you are like, I don't really care. (laughs) I'm checked out. (laughs) When you don't raise your hand on if you want to prosper, then I'm just like, they're asleep. But they're not asleep with their eyes open. They're talented. We want to prosper. But notice what God says. God says, pray to the Lord for that city. Because if it prospers, then you will prosper. It didn't just say you will prosper. It said, pray that God prospers San Jose. You say, no, 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 I don't like the politics. I don't like that they're defunding this. I don't like that they have enough of this. I don't like that they change this. I don't like that. I don't like the streets being cluttered with that. I don't like these stores. I don't like, and you could just go on and on. But God is saying, hey, when you pray for it and it prospers, then you prosper. God sent them to Babylon and God's saying, hey, I want you to do something good to happen there. As a matter of fact, he even says in verse number six, something powerful. He says, do not decrease in numbers. 
Don't decrease. He said, I want you to grow and be fruitful. You see, when the nation of Israel, this is not the first time they've been in exile. They were in exile before, but that nation was called Egypt. They were a family of about 120. They went from 120 to over 2 million people. They increased. You see, God is saying, hey, no matter where you're at, I want something to happen. Please get this and understand this. God's plan has been and always will be about people. Even though they were in exile, God wanted them to be about evangelism. God wanted them to reach people in Babylon. You're here in San Jose, and you may have feelings about San Jose, but we have a calling to let people know in San Jose that God loves them, that God is for them, and Southridge Church loves them, and we are for them. And that's why we did this week on a Tuesday, a group of us went to Ledesma Elementary School and brought them Togo sandwiches and brought them catered meal and brought them some goodies and some gifts. And we said, we are for you. It's hard to be an elementary teacher. It's why the week before we set up a national night out and we got the community, the neighbors together. We said, we're going to throw you guys a party and we're going to pay for it and we paid that money we bought the sandwiches we gave out the prizes and the community came out and they were amazed by it that there was a church that was willing to leave their four walls you see we get so insular thinking and God wants us to influence from the inside out God wants you to take that love and that passion that fire and to take it to your neighbors and your co-workers and your family and your friends because we are not just about us we are about reaching people in San Jose that don't know Jesus our mission It's leading people to find and follow Jesus. That's why we're here. And God was reminding his people that his plan is always about people. Even in exile, he wanted them to evangelize people. Remember this, our prayer may not have been God's plan. But if God's plan is to reach people, then that needs to be my prayer. Tie it back to the beginning. You're praying for that house, that car, that boat, that raise, that marriage, that relationship. When are you praying, God? I just want to see somebody saved. I want to see somebody's life changed. I want to see you do something that changes people because you may be sick and disgusted with politics and politicians and crime and be all frustrated by it. But the only thing that can change your spouse, change your life is the power of Jesus Christ. That's the only one that can change it. The apostle Paul said, it's only Christ in me, the hope of glory. It's only Christ. There's nothing else. You cannot reform their behavior. They need Jesus. And we live in an area where only 3% of the people go to any religious gathering. So 97% of our population do not know Jesus, which means they're on their way to an eternity without Christ. And that should bother us, that there are people in our streets that may be on their way to an eternity in hell and not headed to heaven. We need to say, God, give me a passion to reach them for Jesus and to tell them that there is a heaven that's sweet and a hell that's hot and a God that loves them that's what we're called to do but we're so comfortable that we don't understand that i have a mission here understand this quite literally jesus loved the hell out of people and so are we and i don't know if i'm allowed to say that in church but i did but we have a problem doing that don't we because you and i look at somebody and say who did you vote for oh we can't be friends i swear that's what some of us do oh We looked at some people, and we judge them right away. You don't look like you have enough money for me and you to be friends. Oh, you you look weird. You act weird. You talk weird. You got weird beliefs. Why is it that Jesus has no problem sitting down with uh, 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 tax collectors while a prostitute is washing his feet, and he rebukes nobody? You think Jesus would be like, oh man, I got a hellfire brimstone sermon coming up. I'm ready. You ready? Instead, what did he have? Who did he rebuke? The religious people. I am so disgusted by myself sometimes that I can't just love people. I'm so bothered that I let things bother me. Instead of being like, wait a minute, they have a soul that's going to spend eternity somewhere. And do we not care? Don't we care? Our church is not some holy huddle where a bunch of people that vote like me, talk like me, look like me, act like me, walk like me, do what I do, come together. We can all pat ourselves on the back, make each other feel good. How about it's a gathering of people that we all look different, vote different, talk different, live different, and we come together, we unite at the foot of the cross because we know that outside of Jesus, we are nothing. We don't deserve anything, but it's at the foot of Jesus that begins to cleanse us and to change us and bring us together, and he gives us that hope and that future so I could put all that other stuff away and say it's about Jesus and until you get Jesus that's all that matters to me 
and I'm going to do whatever it takes to tell you about Jesus. And this is why we will go out in our community and we will give them money so we can get close to them. John Maxwell, the famous leadership guru, said this, touch a heart before you ask for a hand. We want a building permit to build on our land. I want something from the city. I want something from the county. What am I doing for them? Don't you think if we started serving them, they might be like, man, give them as much land as they want. Give them as much property. Look what they're doing for others. We need to be that type of church that looks outward, not inward. That we say, hey, who here doesn't know Jesus? I want to be their friend. Here who came in by themselves? I want them to sit by me. Hey, who who here seems like they're struggling this morning? I see people on Sundays that during worship, they're in tears. Their hearts and lives are broken. And you and I need to get close to them and sit by them and say, God loves you and I love you. You'll be my best friend. You sit here. We're going to hang out together. We're going to be friends. And we're going to be kind to each other. And we're going to go find somebody else that's lonely and hurting. And we're going to love them. And we're going to help them see that God loves them too. That's what the church is all about. And that's the type of church everybody wants to be a part of. But when we get wrapped up in ourselves, we miss out. The famous evangelist D.L. Moody in the 1860s, the famous Moody Bible Church in Chicago, didn't start out as a great church. You see, D.L. Moody was a shoe salesman. He did pretty well. But that day, when you would go to church, you would have to pay money for your pew. And D.L. Moody loved the street kids, the poor, the ones that didn't have shoes and their clothes were dirty and their fingernails were dirty and their hair was disheveled. And D.L. Moody, not out of spite, but he would pay to pack out the pews with all these kids from the inner city of Chicago. And then they were asked to leave the church. And it broke D.L. Moody's heart that the church didn't want the front rows packed with people just because they were dirty and poor. Whenever I see empty chairs, I think there are people that need hope and they need to fill these chairs. And I don't care if they're homeless. I don't care if they're dirty. I don't care who they voted for. I don't care about any of that. What I care about is do they know Jesus Christ and where are they going to spend eternity? Because that's all that matters, my friend. Because I do not know how much time I have on this planet. My friend went in three weeks ago to the doctor and we already have buried her. Life is short. It's a vapor. And you got time to talk about frivolous things. Somebody's eternity is on the line. 8.2 million people in the Bay Area. And where are the churches rising up saying, hey, I got nothing but love. That's what I got. I want to show people that God loves them through my hands and my feet. So D.O. Moody, he said, I'm not welcome to the church. Fine, I'll start my own Sunday school. So D.L. Moody started a Sunday school and somebody hollered to one of the, to the, the young boys from the street that were going to the Bible study, the Sunday school, and they said, hey, why are you going over to D.L. Moody's Sunday school? And the boy replied back, because they love a fellow over there. Why do people want to go to Southridge? Yeah, we got a coffee cart. Yeah, we got a great worship. Yeah, we got things. Yeah, we're building land. But God wants us to love people. Jesus is not here, but he left you instead. I'm Jesus' hands. I'm his feet. We are the body of Christ. God's plan has always been about people. I went to a small Bible college where I met with my wife. And the president of the Bible college would say over and over again, keep the main thing the main thing. And the main thing is soul winning. It wasn't about which Bible we're going to read out of. It wasn't about are you pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib. you Armenian Calvinist? Are you... Presbyterian Assemblies of God, Lutheran, Baptist, non-denom. He said, keep the main thing, the main thing. And the main thing is soul winning. We are for San Jose. And the greatest thing I can do for San Jose is to tell them about Jesus and his love. The greatest thing, my friend, that you can do is the simplest thing. 
doesn't take a million dollars, doesn't take a lifetime. And may you simply telling your barber, hey, I go to a church. I think you might like it. I think it'll help you. You should show up sometime. Because can I tell you, every Sunday, every service, barbers, baristas, single moms, single dads, divorcees, drug addicts, people of the LGBT community, Democrats, Republicans, independents, they're here. Some of you are like, don't get it on me. Shame on you. Shame on you. Let Christ work on them. You invite them. Somebody once told me once, because I was a very legalistic person. You never met such a legalist. I would brag about how I didn't have TV. I've never smoked, never been drunk. I'd brag about my self-righteousness. I'd want other people to do the same. And I alienated so many people. Because I looked at my self-righteousness. Instead of just simply saying, wait a minute. I need to remove the beam out of my eye first. Instead of going after the speck in yours. And then I found that people just kind of flocked to me. Every Sunday, the row from my gym keeps growing. Every Sunday. Every Sunday. People want to be around me because I want to be around them. People might want to be around you if you want to be around them. You don't need to know what to say. But love people. Would to God that on your tombstone, people just simply wrote, this person loves the fella. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Heavenly Father, no church is a great church unless it cares about what you care about. And we care about people. We'll let the greatness stand as we love people. The hurting, the down and out, the up and out. We got to go after people. And God, This is our mission. I don't know how much time we have, but the history of San Jose will be changed by this church. The impact that we can have is immeasurable because we care about a fellow. And may we be that kind of a church. The type that doesn't get wrapped up in some of the peripherals, but a church that keeps the main thing the main thing. And the main thing is loving people. And God, only you can change the heart. But we are going to get people under the atmosphere and in the environments where their heart can be changed. And so right now, God, we need you. God, we're tied up looking and feeling sorry for ourselves because our prayers aren't your plan. And it could be that we need to adjust our prayers to fit inside your plan. And your plan has been and always will be about the people that don't know you. And so the calling among every brother and sister in Christ is to go love people. To go into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in. And so, Father, we need to go out. Let our hearts cry for what your heart cried for. Let us spend and toil reaching just one more soul for Christ. May we not sit idly by as men lose their lives, squandering away their days, watching social media and TV and shows. May we show them a purpose that is higher than anything. And that is to glorify God. So we need you, God. God, maybe we need to repent in this moment Maybe we need to get some things right with you so that we can be about the business of reaching people. May our church never lose sight of the goal that we exist to lead people to find and follow Jesus. 
may we anchor ourselves deep into that mission. And may we never drift from it, God. Though there will be people that will want to pull us off that wall, we decide that we cannot come down. We're too busy on the wall of leading people to find and follow Jesus because we are for San Jose. And San Jose will know that Southridge Church is for them. And Father, help us. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Would you stand, church? This morning, we've challenged you. Maybe you've been convicted. Maybe you're upset. Maybe you're bothered. Maybe you say, I don't know Jesus. I don't know this God that you speak of. But today is that day where you say, I want to receive Christ as my Savior. I want to receive the forgiveness of sins. I've never accepted Christ into my heart, but today I want to do that. With heads bowed and eyes closed, is that you? Would you slip up your hand? You say, I want to receive Christ as my Savior. Oh, amen. God bless you. Anybody else? In a moment, the worship team's going to sing and play. But today is baptism and barbecue Sunday. And the most important thing that's going to happen today is the baptism, no matter how good the chicken and the pork sliders are. But right now, you say, I need to take that next step and I need to be baptized. I invite you to be dismissed right now and you can prepare to be baptized. I'll invite you to slip out right now. You say, maybe you need to be baptized. I gave you my testimony. I was just four years old and my parents baptized me. I didn't know what was happening. I didn't know why I was being baptized. Maybe you say, hey, I was sprinkled as a child. I was dedicated as a child, but I've never taken that step. Right now, there are people that have slipped out. If that's you, then you right now, you say, hey, I want to get baptized. We invite you right now to take that next step. We saw six people baptized this morning. We'd love for you to make it seven if you'd like to. You're dismissed right now to be baptized. And while those that are getting ready for baptism are being dismissed, I'm going to invite the worship team to lead us in one last song. Thank you again for spending time with us today. And a special thanks to those who give generously to Southridge Church. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. And if you want to learn more about Southridge, you can follow us on social media at Southridge Now. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with a friend or even take a screenshot and share it on your social story. Make sure you tag Southridge Church and let it be a blessing to somebody else. Thank you again, and we'll catch you on the next one.